Talk that talk. Talking about... That's what I'm talking about. Are you talking to me? Talk that talk. Provided by Off The Hook. The platform for the people. Step into the studio and talk that talk. Get off the sidelines, man. Keep on talking in the free world. Here we are, Raptor Sixers, baby. Saturday, April 16th. How good is it to see Jurassic Park alive and well? So good. Anyone who's ever been to Jurassic Park, we started this. All these outdoor, all these outdoor fan gatherings outside of stadiums that go on in every sport now. We started this. Toronto started this. Maple Leaf Square for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Jurassic Park for the Raptors. Just so everybody knows that we started this. This this series, I'm telling you right now, I'm torn between Raptors and six or Raptors and seven, but it's Raptors regardless. We're 3-1 in the series against the Sixers this year. This is Talk That Talk, the official fan reaction show before and after every Toronto Raptors game. So here we are. So let's take it from the top. Let's do a little reset for a second so we can put some of these clips together later on and get them out to the people. So to set the stage, we're 3-1. and one. Well, to set the stage, it's NBA playoffs, round one, game one, in the city of brotherly love. Still bothers me that the Rocky Balboa statue was moved down to the bottom of the stairs. Philadelphia, talk to me. You know, Philadelphia is, is a, a real deal. It's a serious city. They don't take any nonsense or any bullshit from anybody. Booing Santa Claus, booing Donovan McNabb with his wife and his kids on stage with them. Just absolute maniacs. Get that Rocky statue back up on top of the stairs where it belongs. How do you guys even allow that to happen? Just go out there and take it and pick it up and put it up on top of the stairs yourselves. The fuck is wrong with you guys out there? So, this is a familiar series. Remember the last time you played us, Philly? How'd that go in the playoffs? <laughs> oh, it was such a beautiful thing. How painful, here's the real question to Philadelphia. How painful is it going to be after losing to us in game seven on the shot? That brings us onto the conference finals and then en route to our first NBA title, Kiss the Ring. Well, you got Joel Embiid went from doing airplanes to pissing and bawling like a little bitch when he left the stadium. How are you going to feel when now, fast forward... Kawhi is gone. We quote-unquote don't have a franchise player. Most people didn't even pick the Toronto Raptors to make the playoffs this year. Yet and still, here we are. And we're in. And we got in comfortably in the end. No playing games for us. And only five wins removed from first place Miami, if I recall the stat correctly. So... Why can't we go to the NBA Finals? I know one thing is for sure. Philadelphia, you are definitely not going to the NBA Finals. Definitely. You're not getting out of this round. Going back down, stroll down memory lane for a minute. As the game starts here, 
we see in the promo package, a little stroll down memory lane. I remember when uh, I took my daughter, my buddy took his son. We were in the house for Toronto, Philadelphia, way back when it was the Air Canada Centre and AI was in the house. Allen Iverson, he's on my all-time starting five. If Allen Iverson isn't on your all-time starting five, I don't know what you're dealing with. Allen Iverson was in the house. We ended up losing that game, but it was a phenomenal atmosphere and just a really special moment. Ironically enough, we got those tickets scalped. At the time, I had to scrape together the money to go. But now when you look back, playoff tickets for that game scalped last minute. We bought them on at the stadium or out in front of the Air Canada Center, uh, 75 bucks a pop. So, I mean, that's next to nothing. You can't walking up to that playoff game, $75 per ticket scalped. I mean, although that was a long time ago. Then, of course, I just gave you a little, a little stroll down memory lane, Philadelphia for, uh, the last time you saw us. Now, here's the thing: we're going into this. We're going into this series now. I'm not going in with the mentality we're playing with house money. I'm going in with the mentality that we're going in to win this series, and so we should. And again, I'm saying my official prediction is Raptors in seven, but I think I'm going to amend that. I think I'm going to amend it to Raptors in six. That's what I truly believe is going to happen. I do believe it's going to be Raptors in six for several reasons. And before the tip-off, we're just looking at it now. Look at Jurassic Park. Anyone who's ever been in there, I mean, you're a diehard fan. There's, there was a point before the play, before our championship year, there was a point in time where for Jurassic Park, you had to line up. Game started at 7. I think they actually opened it up for everyone to come in at 5. But you had to line up. People were lining up at 1.30. I left work one day at lunch, I think, and then ended up going down there 1 o'clock, 1.30 to get in. That's how difficult it is to get into Jurassic Park when things are rolling. And then, of course, when we were in the NBA Finals, Jurassic Park, uh, anyone who was there, it went back. They expanded it and had, quote, unquote, individual Jurassic Parks or viewing parties, if you will. And that went back. I don't know anyone who's familiar with Toronto is that went back from Scotiabank Arena all the way to Ripley's Aquarium. That's, I don't know, three city blocks, I think. So getting to tonight, I'm saying Raptors and six. We're three and one against Philadelphia this season. And here's how I see it going down. First and foremost, the starting lineup came out. We got Scotty Barnes. Nick Nurse has Scotty Barnes playing the five. I love it. And Scotty Barnes defensively is a monster. He's not afraid of the moment. If, if, if my man doesn't win rookie of the year, it's a travesty of justice, especially after the performance you're going to see him put on in this first round. And yes, everyone says that the awards are based on the regular season, which is nonsense. Everyone knows that they're given out after. And of course, when they're given out, this factors into it. You have Fred Van Vliet, who has been there and done it. And he's stayed, not called Steady Freddy for he's called Steady Freddy for a reason. Sorry, you're going to see Fred Van Vliet lead this team. He is the leader. You're going to see him hit his timely threes. You're going to see him drive when he needs to. You're going to see him 
dictate the pace. And I believe you're going to see him put up a decent amount of points. I'm expecting Fred Van Vliet, you know, 20 to 25-ish. I'd like to see 25 per game. Then you're going to have OG and Scotty Barnes. Now, we, you got to remember is that we played a bulk of, I don't even know how, officially how many games OG played, but a bulk of our season was played without OG. So that works in our favor in the fact that he's fresh. But people forget we accomplished what we accomplished primarily without OG in the lineup. And now you're seeing a team adding OG. And with his length and his defense being a specialty, that's just another layer that Philadelphia is going to have to deal with. You got Joel Embiid. I do not believe that Philadelphia is disciplined enough to slow the tempo down and play a half-court offense all series long because if Philadelphia slows the tempo down and controls the tempo and they, they, they decide, okay, I mean, if you're Philadelphia, what you want to do, you want to keep the tempo slow and you want to play traditional half court, uh, half court offense. And, and you should just have Joel and B post up every single time. There's no need for him to be at the three point line. Let James, James Harden doesn't even need to go off. You have, Joel Embiid down in the post, slow down the half-court offense the entire time, dump it in, and let him go to work early and often. That's it. But they're not disciplined enough to do that. They fool around. They veer off the beaten path. As far as the game plan goes, James Harden, you never know what you're going to get out of him. You know, maybe he's going to want to take over a game, which I don't think he's capable of doing anymore after they've taken the referees have taken away all of his nonsense. And, you know, he, he is a scorer, but I think those days are behind him. I'm not expecting James Harden to take over any game. And I don't think they're disciplined enough to slow the offense down. So because of that, we're going to end up dictating the pace, running the floor, our keys to success for the Toronto Raptors, in my opinion, Fred Van Vliet to continue doing what he, what he does, which is to steer the ship, keep everybody on the same page, lead the team, contribute 20 to 25 points a game, timely points, hit his threes, and then also when things are getting difficult to be able to slice and dice to the hole, which he does. You know, like I said, I've always said Kyle Lowry did it. Kyle Lowry was the only guard that I only person I've ever seen drive that relentlessly and that consistently and take that much physical abuse since Allen Iverson. That's a fact. I'm not saying he's as good as Allen Iverson, but that is a fact. And Fred Van Vliet is taking a page out of that book. Fred Van Vliet has picked up right where Kyle Lowry left off. Second key is Scotty Barnes defense and Scotty Barnes offense. I believe now I know that they're not looking for him. And we know we keep hearing over and over and over again that the plays aren't called for Scotty Barnes. And, you know, he, they're not expecting him to score big points. And he just contributes in all ways and where he's needed. However, I'm looking for some offense out of him. And I'm looking for him to put some serious pressure on the interior defense of Philadelphia. Draw some fouls and really put some pressure on him. I think you're going to see Scotty Barnes a little bit more offensive than what you're used to seeing him. And, of course, we're, that's going to open up lanes. You're going to see the assists. I don't want to see a whole lot of outside shooting from Scotty Barnes. I don't want to see a whole lot of threes being put up. I really don't. I'd like to see him slashing. I'd like to see him drawing the defense, getting him into foul trouble, and then spotting up some or spotting the outside shooter or a quick pass inside when he draws the double team when he's when he's going to the hole. That's just that's offensively. Defensively, he's going to be a nightmare. They got him at the five right now. So what you might see is listen. I say the biggest way to stop 
an offensive superstar on the other team is to attack them offensively and try to get them in foul trouble early or at least a couple early fouls where you eliminate them from the first part of the game and they have to sit out a little bit earlier and then it's on their mind and it alters their game a little bit even if they don't it, the idea is not to foul them out you know you have to be really really you have to really lack discipline to foul out as a superstar regularly anyway you might catch them once in a while but the thing is is that you want to go at them offensively to be able to get them in foul trouble and I'm expecting Scotty Barnes to do that at the five. I'm also expecting Nick Nurse to use all of our, you know, precious uh, Boucher, whoever he's going to bring in to be able to do the same. Go at Embiid, take a possession here or there when you rotate these guys in to go at Embiid to get him in foul trouble. That's what you want to do early. Then we go Gary Trent Jr. Long story short, gold chain Gary, honey garlic Gary. If he gets hot, look the fuck out. Because he can drop, he he'll put thirty five on you, and if he puts thirty five on you, when we and Pascal and Scotty and Fred Van Vliet and they're clicking on all cylinders, you got big fucking problems. So offensively, he's going to be the extra layer because I'm going to come back to him in a moment because we go to Pascal Siakam. I don't like calling him Spicy Pete. Don't like it. I like calling him by his full name. Uh, I think out of respect for uh, his name, his father, who, you know, certainly our thoughts and prayers are always with Pascal Siakam. And I know that, you know, everyone got on this guy. I, did, I didn't say trade him. I rolled with him right to the end. I said, no way, shape, or form I would ever trade Pascal Siakam. I said, not only was he coming off of an injury, but, you know, no one has any idea the toll the passing of his father took on him. So I believe that he's in a good place now. And, you know, Pascal Siakam, though, and, and it's not about, you know, uh, us getting on him. It's the reality of it. Uh, like he's, he's here permanently, but he has to be a rock star. Like Pascal Siakam, we're talking 28 points a game. He's got to be in that range, 27, 27, 28 points a game in order for this to all work. You never know. We could catch fire and make a run. But you need 27, 28 points from Pascal. And how does he get that? Not from settling for early jumpers. Pascal needs to be aggressive early. He needs to get down in the post early, use his post moves, use the short jumpers, lots of movement, drive when he sees the opportunity, and stay away from the early outside shots and stay away from just stay away from long range in general, even when you are rolling. You know, if you want to break it and you're getting a little bit tired and when you're rolling, instead of settling for long jumpers or threes, then just settle down in the post. Settle down in the low post. So now you're down there. You don't have to do a lot of running once you're down there and then wait to get the ball dumped into you. Work and beat. Look for the slasher. And, but that's Pascal's game is in the post. That's where he's best. You, you got to go from the inside out. And then I don't mind I don't mind some mid, mid-range jumpers here and there and a three here and there. But I don't want him starting with that. And the theme for Pascal this series and throughout the entire playoffs and always, every game should always be start from the inside out. Get in the post. Get into your moves. See some balls go through the hoop. Get to the free throw line. That's where you can start to get warmed up as a shooter at the free throw line early. See the ball go through the hoop, and then you're rolling. 
And when Pascal's rolling, he can drop 28 a game. So now that brings me back to Gold Chain Gary. You know Fred Van Vliet is going to get you your 20. He's going to get you your points when you need them. There's no question about that. Fred Van Vliet is reliable as they come. So we're not, gonna, we're not worried about Fred Van Vliet delivering. So you're going to get 20 out of him. If Pascal is able to do what I just said, okay, now – that's when, okay, so then you see that you say that the team is going to contribute collectively. But what if, while those two things are going on, Gold Chain Gary starts to heat up? If he starts to heat up, then Philadelphia has major, major problems. Because if he starts heating up from outside, he's heating up. If he starts heating up from outside and his shot is dropping, my man can score. Hairs out of his face now. Good looking out, Gold Chain Gary. Honey, Garlic Gary, you listen to me? I was riding you all year about this hair in your face. Hairs out of your face now. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. He really is going to be... His scoring is going to determine, you know, it's going to determine, not, not saying it's going to determine the outcome of the series and the game and every single game, but it is going to be a big factor on how the games look. If he's not on and everyone's contributing as a team, you know, every game is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a competitive series regardless. If he's hot, you, you know, we could put it on them a few games where unexpectedly they could get caught, caught off guard. Now, one of the X factors of this series is going to be Precious. Precious coming off the bench. Precious gets rolling, you know, offensively and defensively if he's able to get you your rebounds. Offensively, offensively and defensively if he's able to give you that energy. I don't know if he's going to come off the bench the entire series, but that energy whenever he's playing. And this is the guy that we want putting pressure on Embiid offensively. So Siakam can do it. I want Scotty Barnes doing it. But you got Precious, you got Boucher. These guys, those bodies can put pressure on Embiid early to get him in foul trouble. But Precious is someone we're looking for, you know, coming up and down the floor, high-energy player. He needs to be able to get timely rebounds, put some pressure on Embiid offensively, and then, of course, he's going to do his part with a lot of players defensively on Embiid. You know, Nick Nurse has everybody and their grandmother, D, and Embiid up. So there's going to be a cast of characters guarding Embiid as there always is. They're going to give him different looks. They're going to give him, like Dio was saying in the pre-show, different uh, change in speed, different looks, different angles, different schemes, and it's not going to be any different. But what the wrinkle I would like to see Nick Nurse put in, because, of course, Philadelphia is planning for this as well uh, with Nick Nurse's defense, even though Nick Nurse is always one step ahead, is that I'd like to see, I'd like to see the wrinkle of him, like I said, attacking and beat, attacking and beat, and getting him in early foul trouble. Last player, who did I miss? We went over uh, FVV. You down with FVV? Yeah, you know me. We went over the original gangster, the Il Gaga, OG Ananobi. We went over Pascal Siakam. We went over Scotty Tuhati. Uh, Cardinal Fischel put out a post about people saying that he some the similarities between him and Scotty Barnes, which, you know, he was like, of course there's no similarities, but it was kind of a funny thing because they had, he put out the post Cardinal at a concert. Ever been to a Cardinal Fish Out concert? It, it, my man is hyped at all times. And they had Scotty Barnes jumping up and down with the high knees on the sidelines and a little side by side. It was kind of funny. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Shout out Cardinal Fish Out. 
the anthem, Cardinal Official song, the anthem, I mean, to me, one of the most underrated, uh, that song doesn't get enough love. That doesn't get enough love at all. Uh, One of my favorite Cardinal songs. So those are those are my that's the breakdown of the players the starters anyway and then you know specifically citing precious who's coming off the bench for game one i'm calling raptors and six and on philadelphia's end like i said is that yes Embiid is a monster and james harden the strip club scrub and a bearded wonder your stash is trash and your beard is weird that's just james harden is a lazy dog that's it. The guy is lazy, lazy, lazy. It's pathetic. Who said they were shocked? Uh, Kevin Durant, another total loser. Softest guy in the history of the NBA. But Kevin Durant said he was alarmed at how out of shape James Harden was. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that's news and people are talking about that where, uh, you know, James Harden is rolling around like fat boy Roy. We know that he's out of shape. We can see that. So how can you be alarmed? Everyone can see it. But on their end, you know, he's a shell of his former self, and he doesn't want it. The strip club scrub doesn't want it. I don't believe that he believes that they're going to win the NBA title. I believe that Joel Embiid might might want it to happen, but I don't believe that he believes it in his heart of hearts. And Joel Embiid is not a go-getter. Joel Embiid is not. Joel Embiid has a ton of natural talent, and Doc Rivers has gotten the best out of him, and he's in the MVP running this year. And he's had a fantastic season, and he's a beast. But he lacks discipline. He doesn't have that extra gear. He doesn't want to win the title or die. I think back to the story, and there are two stories about Joel Embiid that I think back to. One, I think back to a story he told himself about, I believe, I could have this wrong, but I don't believe I do, where he, when he was younger, and, you know, his brother used to, or sorry, they wanted him to come out and play basketball or instead of going to practice or whatever it was, uh, he'd rather stay, he used to stay in the house and play FIFA with his brother, too lazy to go out and practice. And that told me one thing about him. And the second thing was, was in, when Embiid was supposedly injured and then he's up, to, up there on stage dancing with Drake at one of his concerts. Once I saw that, I was done with Embiid. I honestly didn't think he would even capture, you know, take advantage of his of his uh, God-given a talent and really put his head down and work and put together a season like this. I really didn't. I thought he was capable of doing it, but I didn't think he would do it. Lo and behold, he did, and good for him. I'd love to have a Joel Embiid on my team, but he lacks, he lacks the do or die, in my opinion. So they're going to give him what they've always given him, a lot of defensive pressure. And you're gonna, there aren't going to be any surprises here. You're going to see this these games play out the same way they played out all year long. Plus, now we have OG. And the strip club scrub doesn't care. It's it's not in him. Raptors and six. Keep on talking in the free world. Talk that talk talking about that's what i'm talking about are you talking to me talk that talk provided by off the hook the platform for the people step into the studio and talk that talk get off the sidelines man